0: I want you to let you read this to me, will you? There's something Christ said so often, and, and it's so mysterious, and I think so necessary. Children of God, uh, how should we listen to God's word? If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. There's a... we well right now in, in, the, in, in some of the weirdness of Jesus, some of the oddness of Jesus. He has a very unique teaching style. He just, Jesus is never boring. He's, just not, he's not dull. He's always turning. He's always dodging, moving. He's always going someplace you don't expect him to go. He's always, it seems to me, uh, trying to get past some of the religious filters we have up. And we do. We have them up. We have, we're on guard. You're, look, you come in here, and I, I can tell some of you, you, your dukes are up. You're ready. Bring it on, baby. You know, come on. What do you got to say to me? I don't know if I trust you yet. I don't know if you're going to tell me the truth. I don't know if you're going to say something I don't want to hear. And we, we're, we're combative as people. And believe, these, these people are as deeply combative as anybody else in the text itself. And Mark is aware of that. So Christ is this way of kind of coming up on you and doing a little bit of spiritual jujitsu, like he suddenly judo and he takes your weight and protects, takes your cynicism or or takes what you think you know about spiritual life and understanding and throws it. He just throws you, and and you and you're, you wind up in a place you don't recognize, hearing things that don't make that don't make any sense from a religion. And from a religious point of view. And one of those areas that we're going to talk about today, and in a very simple way, I don't, I don't, I, you know, there's so many ways that you can talk about this, but it's the simple, simple subject of judging. Of judging folks. The spiritual pastime of preachers everywhere. Judging, folks. Measuring. Measuring up. So I was kind of thinking about this, and I'm kind of sensitive about it because of, because of, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of that. I'll read the text. That's what it's about. And, uh, and see, see what we come my way with. So let see what, see if there's some joy in it. Maybe, maybe we're not judgmental enough. Maybe we're not judgmental enough. Maybe we should be more judgmental. What do you think? Any takers? That's for Elbridge. Let's see who we can get with it. So uh, Christ is in. We're in the middle of his teaching. We're learning from his teaching style. He has a. He likes to almost kind of riddle and parable and 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 uh, and kind of come at you where you don't see him coming. This, uh, the language of this parable is very, very striking, by the way, and especially the way the, the, the imperative. Uh, it's it's an un- more, one of the more unusual constructions that are used uh, to describe Jesus. He demands that you hear this in, in the way he talks. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Now, pay attention... See to it. Look, look. It's, it, 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 the, our English language doesn't bear, doesn't have the power, doesn't have the insight to give us that, that command with, such, with, with the immediacy with which it comes. Look here, he says, to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has, even what he has, will be taken away. I feel a, I feel a need right now to ask for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, I pray that your Spirit would inhabit my words and you would give me words to say. You give us ears to hear. Uh, your word, and that it would come with new life, new, new, new life, Father. Amen. How many of you have heard that, the passage, uh, there's a parallel passage to this in Matthew 7, do not judge, lest you be judged, Uh, for the measure which you measure others, it will be measured to you one of the more popular uh, verses to get quoted back to you by people who are not a part of your faith system. (laughs) It's one of the more popular uh, ones to to hear from people, right? And to get get kind of parroted back. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Christ says we must not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. And so oversimplifications of this idea uh, uh, are easy in hand. But I, I think about judgment. So, so um, my parents come to faith uh, after a year on the road uh, when, uh, when they were, I was beginning to tell you the story where they're hippie Buddhists, right? So we were living on the road and uh, I remember, I didn't remember most of the trauma of my early life, which uh, must've been significant because I don't remember anything, Uh, but but I do, I do get my memories jump out, especially my mom will tell me things. So the one family they were staying with, uh, uh, Elaine, was a, was a madam. She had a big brothel, and all the, all the prostitutes were my babysitters. And, and uh, in that house, though, they had, a, they had a gun cabinet, and the gun cabinet was the sofa. And underneath the cushions of the sofa were all of the uh, machine guns, rifles, and pistols. Uh, under, uh, right by the front door. Was very, so that was where the guns were kept, in easy reach, for, in case of danger. And I had, was going through the cushions, and had pulled out a 357 Magnum. I was seven years old. And I walked out on the front porch while everybody was having a picnic, and I started waving it around like this, waving it around like this. And trying to get my mom's attention to tell her what I found. Can you picture this? Uh, Sometimes I feel that's what the church is like with the judgments of God. Things that don't belong to us, in a sense, things that belong to him. Things in a sense that are everywhere in the Scripture. There's all sorts of we could find loaded weapons everywhere, right? There are sharp swords and there are landmines and grenades and mortars. Look, there there are atom bombs in the Bible. We can lay on somebody if we want. And and I think we're handed as children in a sense. We're we're recklessly take the idea of judgment. As if it was something we're allowed to do. Does that make sense? That's like something we're allowed to play with. Or something we're allowed to articulate or apply inappropriately. And, I, and the reason I think this is that, the reason I want to put it this way is, as, we kind of, as I want to talk about judgment, I want to talk about how Christ is portraying judgment here, I don't want you to miss one thing. Jesus has no problem being a judge. At all. He has no problem with declaring his right, his privilege, his, his the necessity, and his one day actually assuming a position of bringing Clayton before him to give account and to bring Luke and Lena and me and you and all. He, has, he, has, he is unabashed. He has no hesitation to call sin, sin. sin. He has a tremendous clarity about what objective truth is in himself. And then doesn't give us, I think, does not ask us to share with him in this world the exercise of that judgment like that. It's not our toy. It's not our gun. And it's not our job. And the reason I want to say both things is because what I don't want to do is I don't want to emasculate Christianity. That's what often happens right here. Do not judge us, let be judged. It becomes this immediate invitation to somehow reduce Christianity from having any teeth. I mean, Christians have teeth. They, have teeth. they tear. They're sharp. It is very, it's a very sharp, sharp weapon. It has a very keen edge. And it and it And it works. And it works. But uh, I'm sad to see how it's worked. Um, I was listening to an interview last night about, by uh, Reba Riley. I don't know if you've heard of her. And she was talking, she did 30 by 30. She went into 30 after she left her bed in her faith and uh, being raised as a Christian in the Pentecostal church. She checked out 30 different religions by the time she was 30. And I think she left the faith when she was like 21 or 22. I haven't read the book, but listening to the interview it was very engaging. And she's very engaging. It's a wonderful story to tell about how she, but the story that she told began with, and she calls it post, the, the book's called Post-Christian Traumatic Syndrome. There, has anybody ignored this? Anybody heard the book? Post-Traumatic Christian Syndrome. Has anybody experienced this? Post-Traumatic Christian Syndrome? And I mean being in the church and being, and being subject to its condemnation. And suffering under a sense of judgment, suffering under a sense of, uh, of you don't belong, you are not worthy, you don't, you don't fit in here, you are not the person, you are not the person, you don't, and I, I, I this kind of a text, this mysterious little way that Jesus has, way, has of talking, upsets that and ruins that project. Just Beautifully, what's the? How does he do it? How does he do it? He says, and he says this elsewhere. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you may use, it will be. It will be measured to you. Favorite, favorite con artist trick of a good prophet. Good prophet is a con, a godly con, but he's a con. And he's trying, he tries to bring you into thinking something and well this is so uh, so uh, Ahab's one of the great ancient kings of, of, uh, of Israel and Ahab had defeated Ben-hadad and had and, and the defeat of Ben-hadad was a culmination of an endless war of atrocity but when he got him when he finally beat him when he finally beat him he let him go now, there's a, there's a reason why kings let other kings go after a battle. Do you know what those reasons are? Right. Let's return the favor. Let's, hey, I beat you. I'm going to let you go now. So that, you know, maybe you'll beat me someday, right? And then, This is good. Maybe we can, we can gather together and have our men slaughter each other, but we're going to be okay, right? And that has been a practice of kings. And uh, uh, for generations, even in Europe. Well, they were all related, too. He did that. Now, this was a, this was a moral, he was a, he, a complete moral failure of his. It was like not killing a Nazi, who, one of the It was like not getting rid of somebody whose crimes were significant. So, 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 God says to one of the prophets, he says, we don't even know who the prophet was. I think, I think, that, maybe we do. Maybe it what I, I can't remember. Oh, Micah? It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't name him when it calls him out. And he says to the prophet, he says to the prophet, hey, I want you to go out and, and tell somebody to hit you. Sell somebody to hit you. <laughs> yes. McLaren, you're my illustration. Can I hit you? Uh, <laughs> no, because then you don't, th- then it doesn't work. All right. Because it's uh, come on, hit me you got to hit me. I know you'd love I know you want to. You're the wrong person to ask. (laughs) Uh, Hit me. Hit me. And he says, hit me. And the prophet says, no, I'm not going to hit you. And he goes away. When that prophet, let's go ahead. I'm sorry. uh, McLaren left. He didn't hurt me when I told him to hurt me. So the scriptures say he left and an animal attacked him and he died immediately because he didn't obey the Lord. Now, I'm going, to go, I'm going to return to my first point. God is a judge. You're not going to like some of the things he decides, the ways he decides to do it. But he never, ever apologizes for being so. But it's very clear what he's, there's, a, there's an illustration there, by the way. Because when God tells you to do something, what are you supposed to do? You just do it. The prophet went to another prophet. He said, you hit me. But I was like, well, I saw what happened to McLaren. Wham! And he hits him. Hurts him. So now wounded, he goes out, and he knows where Ahab is. And he stands by the side of the road as Ahab's going by after just having released Ben-Hadad and not doing to Ben-Hadad what he had just told the other prophet to do to him. You know, execute judgment. Do what you're told to by God. And Ahab's riding by. And uh, the prophet's wounded. He's got a, t- some kind of like bandage over his head. So he's looking really bad after a battle. And he cries out, oh king, oh king, I, I, I need to talk to you. And the king stops, he goes, what's the matter? I was told to stand here in the battlefield and protect this guy, and if I didn't protect the guy, I was supposed to die or pay a bunch of money. And uh, I lost the guy, he got away. And Ahab looked at him, and he goes, you are scum. Do you know that if you let let go of an enemy soldier, that you deserve to die? And real quickly, he popped off the bandage. Ahab recognized him, and he looked at Ahab, and he said, you have spoken your own judgment. Let what you said be on you. Um, you've heard of self-fulfilling prophecies? you they the concept of a self-fulfilling prophecy? A belief you have about yourself. And that belief, that belief could be a positive belief, could be a negative belief, will tend to, con- to produce... You'll produce behaviors and actions and activities consonant with that belief and consistent. We're very consistent people. We're consistent with the things we say about ourselves. We consistently work out our self-perceptions. We can, and we'll live for them, we'll die for them because that's what we said we were. And God is saying, all I need to do, I don't even need to give you my rules I can just take your rules, the ways you love to judge other people, and I'll just use them. And you don't stand a chance. That's what this text is saying. Um, I saw one of my best friends come to Christ through this. Uh, It's very hard. One of the ways you in a spiritual journey. This may be new to you. In a spiritual journey of, of, of re- renewal and re- renaissance, when God enters in, there comes to come a point where you realize that you are wicked, where you realize that you are not worthy of God's love. It's a very difficult thing for this generation. And it's a very difficult place to, for this, for, our, for our people we know to be or live because that seems so dangerous or dark or counterintuitive or, or wrong or and, and, so, and, and so he was, but, and it was really hard for this guy because he was one of the most honest stand-up guys I'd ever met. He was just the kind of guy who had an integrity that was a mile long. It's like anything he said he would do, he would do it for you. That's the kind of person. And he always spoke the truth. I had very, very few men I've ever met like that. And he became my best friend. And to this day, you know, I'm talking about Curtis. My son knows Curtis. It, I never had a friend like this. If I, I could call him today and say, Curtis, if you're not here tomorrow, I'm going to die, and he'd be here tomorrow. It's always been like that. And I was sitting there, and he's and he just like, I'm a good guy. I do the right thing. I've always tried to do the right thing. And I stopped, and i just been t- reading this text. I said, Curtis, Curtis, t- right, walk with me. Walk with me. Describe to me the ultimate man that you want to be. I mean, the one man that you think it's the most important to be. And lo and behold, you know what he says? Somebody who's really honest and really is a stand up guy who does the right thing. He said, Yeah, I mean, a guy who doesn't, who doesn't, who keeps it, who keeps it real. He said, Bro, you're not going to lie to me, are you? How many times have you blown that? People don't even know about it. it seems to me, we had just read this text. God doesn't need to take his law and judge you. He just needs to take your law, and you're dead. He just needs to take your law, and you don't survive it. It's hard for people to see this. You've tried that when people, you've had friends at Twitter, right? You want, them to get, you want people who are very, quote, tolerant to see how intolerant they've become, Right? It's it's very, very difficult sometimes to get people who are involved in a particular moral system to realize that they are already, you know, undermining themselves. They're not living out their principles. But nobody ever is. Nobody ever is, except for us. Except for us. I'm going to open that riddle here in a second. With the measure you will use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. This, there's no way out of this. Oh, unless what? Let's go to the second part. The one who has, more will be given. What, what does that mean? One who has, more will be given what? Or does that mean you get interest? What is, this, what is he talking about, banks? For the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. That sounds like, is he a Marxist? Uh, this, you know, this sounds—is this the—is this the struggle of the poor? No, 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 no. Far, far from it. For Christ is presenting a riddle. Now, you all have a measuring stick, right? Oh, by the way, the word for measure in there is metros. When we use metric, that's the word for the Greek word right there. So, you can go and press your friends. And, and, you know, the Greek word for for measurement. What is Christ saying? You're going to use a measure, bro. You are. You're using one. I almost made an obscene gesture the other day because of the way somebody was driving behind me. That was measuring. And my measurement was pretty accurate. And I was thinking about this sermon, and I realized... I had done the same thing about a week before that I would just gotten mad about. You know? So, I think that's what Christ is saying. Measure by grace. You see, everything's off. Everything's off. Nothing makes sense now. The measurements, all of the measurements are off. All the perspectives are wrong. The the eternal Son has come. The Son of God, in in, uh, in, uh, Mark 1.1, this is the the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And and who He is and what He does has now exploded all proportion. And He he has come with a grace. He has come to... He has come to love what is not lovable. The great thing about Christianity, the unique place it has in all of all thinking, spiritual or otherwise, all exploration, is this only the unqualified are worthy. And the measuring stick was broken. Christ breaks the measuring sticks by which we try to figure out whether he's a good guy and she's a bad girl, or we're good people, or we have made it, or we're going to be okay. You know, this is Paul, is, Paul, I'll tell you, one thing you will learn about Paul in the New Testament as a man of erudition and insight and old, biblical Old Testament teaching comes to the conclusion that he is incapable of judging himself, 1 Corinthians 6. I do not even judge myself. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> we have so associated religion with the exercise of measurement and judgment that it's it just, it's confusing. <laughs> I'm reading this text, and I'll give you an example. The scriptures are like this. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I remember every time I would read but Paul said, I don't even judge myself, I felt like I was tripping. I felt like I was confused, <laughs> like, what well, And part of me is like, you can't take away self. I mean, self-loathing, you know, is is my go-to place. It's what makes me feel good, you know? I love hating myself. You're going to take that away? Yes, because my self-loathing is no freedom or joy in that either. It's a false measurement. Because all we have are false measurements, relative measurements that don't work. Measurements that our parents gave us and said, "This is what it means to be a woman. This is what it means to be a man. This is what it, And if and all we can do, and all we must do, and what Christ is compelling us to do, He is because uh, the, well, that was the reason I thought it. This is kind of off the cuff, but well, there's no. There, it doesn't work anymore. Eternity has come to the finite. So measurements are nonsense. They have no quantitative or qualitative uh, uh, function in the equations. <laughs> they, don't, they don't. work because, because because all of proportions off. Eternal love has come. You see, and there's no there's no there's no way to to get your get it. Who can measure? Who can measure God's love? Who can gather its scope? Who can measure? It? Who can say how tall or big or long or wide or, or how long it lasts? Nobody can because it doesn't have an ending. And that is the new way to love and measure everybody. You see? This is, me- this is the new way. This is the new invitation. This is the new hope. This is the new thing that affects ministry. This is why uh, uh, I think... Something, something beautiful arises here. So, you know, I was thinking about this. Just at, you know, look, um, no judgments, right? I know that's the kind of the, no judgments is, the, is, the, is one of the, the great, uh, one of the great, what do you call it, um, the great commandments of this age. It's one of the great teachings, right? No judgments, no judgments. Amen. But this only makes sense if he is the judge already. We're not saying there isn't such a thing as judgments. We're just saying it's just not, it doesn't have to be my job to, to deliver them. And believe me, I'm not going to try to act like I wouldn't like to be the judge sometimes. You know, I'd like hey, 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 I would love to be the judge sometimes. And if you don't think you'd like to be the judge sometimes, I think you're lying. I think you'd love to be the one who calls the shots on this sometimes. Oh, yeah, are you kidding me? No, nope, they are out. They are out. No. They're out. I don't like them. Praise God. He doesn't give that to you. Because I might not have made your cut. You might. You might not have made mine. Who knows? What's the invitation then? So the one who has this kind of new measure, the eternal measure of love, the eternal measure that comes from the cross, the eternal measure of a son dying for sinners, the eternal measure of a weight of glory that has no judgments, but it, it, but it knows that judgment's real. And do you see how different that is than simply being like, yo, uh, simply like backing off with some sort of surfer attitude or some sort of like, you know, yeah, man, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um... One friend of mine was at a party, and yeah, he, he was. Uh, it was a really raucous party, and and uh, a guy, a guy said, um, the guy said, "Oh, can I use that?" He said, he had his Bible out. He said, "Sure." So he put a line of cocaine on it, and he started started snorting cocaine on his Bible. And he looked at him, and he, as he was doing, it, he goes, "You know, it's really funny. The scriptures say that the Bible is useful for all things." And I just didn't see that coming. The guy guys, guys said, do you want some? And he's like, you know what? I don't say no to drugs, but I do say no thank you. Because this Bible is also useful to set me free, to set you free. Those, I don't, I don't know if you're going to be at a party anytime soon where that is on the table. I'm not recommending that you seek this out. Um, I've left parties where that that kind of stuff's going on, because I've even said, hey, you know what? I have a feeling I am Pastor Buzzkill right now, and I feel like I need to to leave. And they're like, oh, no, dude, it's all good. I'm like, "Yeah, just trust me. Uh, Some of the looks are a little bit, people feel a little guilty. And if you want to talk about this, we can talk about it. I mean, that's why I came from that world. It doesn't bother me like that, but so, we, but we so no judgments, but we know the God of judgment, and so we're not afraid to declare. I'm not afraid to say that those things are wrong. I'm not afraid to say that this or that has profound moral significance. That our sexuality has a has a has a moral quality that is that is that is, that is absolutely sacred. You know, I'm not going to hesitate. Why could I? Wow, How should I? But at the same time, I. Even as I don't hesitate, I, 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 I bless and thank, and uh, when I'm asked to do same-sex marriages, I'm constantly asked to do, I, 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 because of the friendships that have gotten so close, I always say, thank you for honoring me in love. I love you too. But that's not something I can do. I love to talk about why I can't do that. And that is, nobody, I've lost no friends over that, over the years. But the point being, the, the idea of no judgments doesn't mean there's not a judge. And so we're set up, and I kind of want, there's also so many places I want to take this, because um, uh, hope and freedom and joy and how we operate in the church and what discipline looks like. And, uh, but what I want to do is this. Is this. I guess I want to... And the application of this is kind of, kind of come down to the wire as I feel about. It, as I kind of, as I, as for me, this is a text I want to feel my way through. Um, uh, there's two things that there's two things that come to me. The first is how do people experience us as a community? Um, when I was a little loser, smelly kid. When we started going to school, I, I was a smelly kid. And, um, and um, you know, one of the things I noticed early on was um, because my parents didn't have me in school when I was a kid. I was like, early on, I, got, I went to school and I noticed that people could do this. Um, when they're talking, if you ever know people will edge their chairs about three inches, just, just it's about three to four inch edge and a shoulder turn. And you are the outsider, the loser, and you don't belong. Has anybody else been on the other side of that? I remember watching it, going like, but I was really subtle. I think I'm not a part of this group. I don't think I'm a part of this group anymore. Just by what just happened, and I'm right there. But I'm no Christian. We as believers do this all the time. We, we, have, we are comfortable with a culture of judgment. We really are. A, cult, a culture of measurement when it comes to words how you smell, how you look, how you feel, how you talk, you know, what's weird, what's not. I think it's disgusting. Because I want to be measured by Jesus with the same measurement that I'm measuring everybody else in, which is welcome and acceptance and love for those who are perishing. I want people to know a grace, and I think about this a lot, guys, Obviously, they're talking to a, a married couple who's going through a, uh, uh, a really hard time in their, in their marriage. Or an addict who's... And, you know, you, you can say all sorts of words to this person and that person. Or, or somebody who's struggling with same-sex attraction, one of my best, best friends. Just to, and it's really easy to be like, yeah, you can't get to, to deliver the law. But let me tell you something. When you deliver the judgments of God from a position, when you articulate what God's judgments are from a position that the wideness of his mercy included you, that you're the same person, you're the same man, you're the same ruin. There's so much to talk about. So much winsome work to do in healing and drawing people in. There's so much to do because what what the text does is it's calling us to humility, right? It's calling us to be one of the ones for whom a great mercy was necessary. And if you're a daughter for whom a great mercy is necessary, then you're giving your sister a great mercy, right? And that's the measurement you're constantly engaging in. And you're breaking all the rulers that somehow somehow distance and measure people out. Mm, I want to be that. I want to be that community. I will tell you, I think we are only successful as a church not based by how comfortable we are with each other, but by how comfortable the sinner is, the ruined man, the addict, the stranger, the person who has been with with people and done things that they would never tell you about. That's the win. That's the vision of the kingdom that I want. Lastly... This, if you're, he who has this mercy, more will be given. There's a picture here. We don't really get it in the tables, richly as I wish we could, of abundance. Like there's a, there's a picture of like, we looked at this in uh, this week, we were studying 1 Peter. There's a real magical point in 1 Peter where Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And our study in Peter is this idea that there's a crisis promising, there's a multi There's more. There's more down this road of, your, of, 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 an, of a wide mercy, of an open, open mercy. There's more here that we can have. And, and it increases. And it, it, it exponentially increases. It's it a feedback loop that doesn't sound like a painful, sharp scream in the ear. It's a feedback loop that sounds like angels. <laughs> it sounds like joy. It sounds like, like the, the, the sound of, of ju- triumph and, and new life. That's the feedback loop that I want to be in because we have more and by which you measure more then you're going to get more and as the cups full that will fill it some more Well, you're going to need a bigger cup and then there's this picture of us of us enlarged as it were by mercy to larger mercy that is a picture I love a feast let's pray When I look at this uh, text. I, I just, uh, all the, where's the end of your mercy, Father? Where is it? I, I thought I'd found the end of it a bunch of times. I, I was sure I must have come to the end of it by now, and only to find that the measure you measured me with was eternal. There's no way to, there's no calculator that can. Tell me what eternal blood means in a human measurement. It just doesn't work. Google can't do it. There's no measurement table that can do it. And that's what we have. I pray for a new measuring of mercy with each other. As a, as a church, Father, as we're getting closer to each other, we wound each other. I, Father, Father, give my people a great measure of mercy for me and a great measure of mercy for each other. Father, I pray that San Francisco, our guests here, would feel it. They would feel, uh, maybe they don't feel like they, they measure up to anything. They would feel that they have been measurelessly loved, loved without measure talk a lot like this. You talk, Father, I know the scriptures you talk a lot about uh, with things that are vast, uh, love without measure, a mercy without measure or limit, uh, limitless grace. Father, that's the place we want to swim right now. That's the place we want to be and taste in the table. We pray it in Christ. Amen.